0: And I would direct your attention to uh, Psalm 86. If someone has commented recently on that, I am, anything that I say that they might have said is purely coincidental. Um, I will not read the entire Psalm for the sake of time, but just some selected verses I will read as I come to them. The evening before Rachel's surgery on uh, October the 21st, um, we read together this psalm, and it just resonated deeply in our souls. Um, I don't believe God speaks outside of his word as far as revelatory things, but he was certainly speaking to us through his word, and he was calming us and encouraging us and reassuring us. It was just a piece that passes understanding, but I could not explain how calm we both were entering into this uh, serious time. So please forgive the personal references uh, to ourselves, but this Psalm has become personal and, and real to us. And, and I hope it will be to you as well. If it hasn't become so already and in the second verse, I'll just hit some highlights. Uh, David says preserve my soul for I am holy O thou my God save thy servant that trusteth in thee as I read those words the night before her surgery I, I found it hard to to say that to the Lord that that I am holy I found it hard to plead that but then I remembered that though I'm not absolutely holy I am positionally so because I I know Christ I've been set apart unto God and that's the root meaning of the word there and so I can truthfully say oh thou my God save thy servant that trusteth in thee over and over again we read in the in the Old Testament the prayer let none that wait upon thee be ashamed and I love the answer to that petition in Isaiah 49 verse 23 for they, shall not be ashamed. Wait for me, God says. Isn't that wonderful? Not one person who waits upon God will be confounded, will be put to shame, will be perplexed, will be confused. And I think it's good for us to just express our helpless dependence upon God and say, in effect, Lord, if if you don't come through for me, I'm undone. I don't have plan B. I don't have another fleshly recourse. Verse five, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all that call upon thee. We we need to keep coming back like the psalmist did over and over again to God's essential goodness. He is a good God. He's always good. He's only good. If he had not come through for us like we asked him to, for my wife on October twenty-first, he would still be good. And his glory is all wrapped up in his goodness. Remember when Moses said, "Lord, show me thy glory." The Bible says there in Exodus that God caused His goodness to pass before Moses. And he saw the, as it were, the afterglow of Jehovah. Now we cannot plead our goodness. The Bible says so clearly there is none good, no, not the one. None, no inherent goodness in any of us, so we can't plead that. But I'm thankful for the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ, and I'm thankful for the imparted righteousness. Of Jesus Christ in sanctification, verse ten, for Thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Rachel and I both came to settled conviction, and I think it was the secret to the peace that God gave us that our God was going to act according to His great character. We could not predict the outcome. Uh There were people that tried to tell us, "Oh, I know God's going to do this, I know that God's going to do that, and I appreciate how well meaning they were, but we couldn't predict we could not foretell whether the lymph nodes would show cancer or not, but it was enough that God would show himself in a way that was thoroughly godlike. He is great, and therefore he would do wondrous things he would act according to his character. Verse 11, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Well, when we got to that verse, it was time for some soul searching because I remember stopping and praying, Lord, my heart is so fickle and so fragmented. Unite it. Do you ever find yourself praying that? Lord, i I believe, help thou mine unbelief. <laughs> David was over and over again pleading his wholeheartedness. He was far from being a perfect man. His uh, faults are well documented in the Psalms and in the Old Testament for our edification, for our learning. But David could say, Lord, you know my heart. My, I'm wholehearted. And this is not just... Uh, a piece of me saying this, this this is all of me. And so I, I, I think of Peter the same way when he had failed the Lord, but on the day of Jesus' resurrection, he said, in effect, Lord, you know that I love you. I know what it looks like. I know how I failed you, but you know that I love you. And so it's a worthy prayer. Lord, make my heart all of one piece. Help me to be wholehearted. Verse 16, oh, turn unto me and have mercy upon me. We need to recognize again and again our need for God's mercy because we live in a society, especially here in the United States, and I know there are several that are, have joined us from other countries, but especially here in the United States, we are plagued with an entitlement complex we think God owes us things, but he doesn't, and we just need to plead for his mercy. But the Lord saved the best till last with that uh, 17th verse when David said, Lord, show me a token for good. Now, he had said in verse 5, uh, you are good, for thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive. But now he says, Lord, Show me a token for good. I think maybe a superficial glance at that verse would cause us perhaps to to, to make a wrong assumption about it and interpretation. Uh, David is not advocating here for a, a sign. He's not putting out a fleece, so to speak. I'm not convinced that's scriptural anyway, but he's asking God to make him, David, a token for good by delivering him. And he goes on to say that they which hate me may see it and be ashamed because thou hast hope in me, you've helped me, and comforted me. Now, in some cases, we may not have people that actually hate us or we're not dealing with them, but they, they hate our godly walk. They hate our bold Christian stance. And so God is making us an object lesson. God is making us a token to them, and we need to be aware of that. Uh, I asked my wife's permission to say this, and she said yes, please do. But Rachel has a younger sister who has gone a total, totally different direction, even though she was raised in a Christian home. But um, and Rachel's ha- has has an increasing burden for for Leslie. But on the day of Rachel's surgery, uh, Leslie was so just concerned. She took off the day of work. She took off work. She went over to her parents' house. She spent the day, because the surgery wasn't until the latter half of the day. She tried to pray when they had a prayer time, but she couldn't. She was a basket case. She just fell apart. She did not have the faith that God gave her sister, and so she was ashamed. She was confounded but God can make us a token for good. And we're praying for Leslie. And I would ask you to pray for her too, four years younger than my wife. And I believe God is dealing with her. And thank you for bearing our burden about that. But when we suffer according to the will of God, we may be witnessing the loudest. And let's ask God to make us a token to others that our cancer, our sorrow, Our cruel reproaches, our persecution, whatever it is, our trial may not be wasted. And thank you for helping us with our recent trial. God bless you for it.